Hey listeners, this episode contains discussions about violence, addiction, and other mature subject matter. Listener discretion is advised. Welcome to What's Your Hustle? In this special episode, I end the year with friends Cheryl Ann and Jasmine as we take a trip down memory lane and explore the TV series Buffy the Vampire Slayer. We talk about the blueprint the series set, the growth of its story, and the fun along the way. So let's get into it. Here's a What's Your Hustle special, The Chosen One, with my guests Cheryl Ann Ramden and Jasmine Durkash. Hey listeners, it's Alima with What's Your Hustle, and we are here for the year-end episode with Jasmine and Cheryl Ann. That means we are taking a series and we are tearing it apart. In this episode, we are taking the series Buffy the Vampire Slayer that aired between 1997 and 2003, and we are going through it. The good, the bad, the what the fuck, and it'll be great. Sherlyn is showing us a picture of her man's Timothy Chalamet. <laughs> How are you, ladies? Sufficient. Next question. <laughs> I'm just kidding. We, d- we did this podcast before. Yeah. As a disclaimer to everyone, as Sherilyn alluded to, this is our second go-around of this episode. The first one faced rather annoying technical difficulties, as life does from time to time, and we are trying this again. So thank you both for obliging me and being here again to do this episode. And Jasmine as well. Before we get started and into the episode, I will not be mentioning the creator of the show, you can Google that, and all the controversy that follows. We do not support any abuse of any kind in any work environment. To those that have come forward about the abuse that you have faced, you are powerful, strong, and we applaud you. You are not alone, and thank you for speaking out. To those facing abuse in their workplaces, please know that you are not alone and worth standing up for and worth everything, especially to be treated with kindness and respect. Now you know the tagline of the show. In every generation, there is a chosen one. She alone shall stand against the vampires, demons, and forces of darkness. She is the Slayer. So again, we are here. We are going through all seven seasons of Buffy the Vampire Slayer. The series casts were Sarah Michelle Gellar, Nicholas Brandon, Alison Hannigan, Amber Benson, James Marsters, Anthony Stewart Head, Charisma Carpenter, David Boreanaz, Elijah Dushku, and Seth Green. Season 1, Buffy moves to Sunnydale, which is the Hellmouth, and all the bad things happen here. It is a source of evil, especially when it comes to vampires. She meets Angel, a 200-year-old-plus vampire with a soul, and she falls in love with him. The Master wants to bring rise to all the vampires, and the Anointed One is a child, quite literally, that is supposed to bring the end of the world as usual, and I say this because later on in the series, she does it again, a Buffy dies, and it's brought back to life and saves the world. Uh, when did you both start watching Buffy? I know for me, I was... Very young, and should not have been watching Buffy, but I know that I caught a glimpse of it on YTV, and it was in season two during my favorite episode, the Halloween episode, 
And then from there, whenever I could watch it, predominantly when I was older, when I started watching the series from season one, I started watching it again. When did you both start watching Buffy? <laughs> from season one, um, I remember watching with, technically I would watch shows with my mom, like she would be watching PBS shows and then she fell asleep. And then I would flip the channel to YTV and then that's how I discovered Buffy. So I've been watching since season one, an OG. Jasmine? Um, I was not an OG. <laughs> I was introduced to Buffy in junior high. It was actually Halima that introduced me to that. And You're I welcome. Your life is forever changed. Forever changed. Um, <laughs> yeah, so I would watch it on Space Channel uh, any time that I had access to the TV because growing up with three brothers, that was not always easy. But yeah, so Halima introduced it to me, and yeah, we we went hard. Like we had like a Buffy the Vampire Slayer marathon. <laughs> we're, <laughs> we're so we cool. We're so cool. We're it was Victoria. So cool. It was Victoria Day, and they aired uh, like ten episodes. It was like voted on as to what their everybody's favorite episodes was. People voted, and then they played the ten most popular episode, and we woke up like super early on a weekend and we watched all 10 episodes like back-to-back commercials and all like we it was it was serious it, it was, was serious, serious. <laughs> it was serious business <laughs> and before you know and before dvd players and streaming we recorded it like we record <laughs> you would record it on vhs and you know you had to watch it we you, we are old, but we were serious about the series. Like, if you missed an episode, like, you prayed there was reruns. Otherwise, yeah. it was gone forever. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what was it about the show that captivated you? I know for me, it was kind of one of those, like, first shows of, like, uh, the supernatural. I used to watch this show called So What on Family Channel, and it was kind of along the same lines in, in terms of the supernatural where... Uh, this young girl would, like, investigate paranormal activity. And for me, Buffy was, like, definitely did take it a step further because vampires, witches, demons, all of these things, all these characters. It was just fun and an escape from everything. Like, it was just the makeup was bad. <laughs> the special effects, especially in season three, was bad. <laughs> was so bad. The stunt, I was, like, re-watching an episode, the stunt stunt doubles <laughs> like you could tell when there were stunt doubles everything about yes. it so obvious <laughs> so just, like any of angel stuff i was like rewatching, and i'm like that's not david Morita. <laughs> you can tell yes i was like this is a 35 year old woman yeah. <laughs> that is not sarah michelle Gellar. <laughs> i was re-watching even the series finale i was re-watching it and i'm like that is not Sarah Michelle Gellar running across a roof on wires. That is a totally different person. And you can tell, especially from an angle that shoots hot, that shoots you from the bottom up. And I was like, we've definitely come a long way since 2003 graphics, even. So the show for me was just, just that. It was just like different and fun. And when you were younger and didn't know any better with stunt doubles and, and graphics, it was just a good time for me. So similar to what I said on the Supernatural podcast, go and listen to that, all of you people out there. Um, I mentioned that 
I was already into like horror shows and so Outer Limits, X-Files, Are You Afraid of the Dark, Goosebumps, like all of that I was very much into and so it was just a natural progression that I would start watching Buffy. So Yeah, for me it was I was really into it because it had such like female empowerment, like female lead character who can kick ass. Um like I my favorite show growing up was Sailor Moon, so it kind of had that same energy of <laughs> of just having like a female heroine and just, you know, like just yeah, she was just badass. Season two. The anointed one is still alive, but not for long. We are introduced to Spike and Drusilla, both essentially sired by Angel. Drusilla is batshit crazy. Angel loses his soul because according to the gypsy curse, if he experiences one moment of happiness, he loses his soul. Angelus is born. We meet Oz, who is a werewolf, and the show never really got the backstory, like explained the backstory about how he became a werewolf, so I did some googling. Uh, he had been bitten by his cousin Jordy, and his he called his aunt Marine to ask if he was indeed a werewolf who confirmed her, her son's condition. So I'm assuming it is a family trait that the boys that have the werewolf gene within them, that once they are bitten, they become a werewolf. We are introduced to a second slayer, Kendra. Uh, because every time a slayer dies, a new one is chosen. Giles temporarily found love in season one, she dies in season two, which is a very tragic and sad way that when you're older and you're watching it, it is very disturbing and you understand why Giles went on his, like, vendetta streak to kill Angelus because he snaps Jenny's neck, puts her in Giles' bed, Sets up this whole, like, ruse that, you know, Jenny is there waiting for him. And then to find, like, your girlfriend dead in bed because of this, like, vicious fam. Like, I understand Giles' total avenge mode that he went in in season two. Just plain cruel. It was so cruel. And then that just explains, like, the type of monster, really, that Angelus is. And why Angel has... I think one of the hardest redemption arcs when he, you know, he's Angel, he comes and becomes Angelus, and then, you know, he becomes Angel again, and we'll get into that in season two. Willow randomly becomes a teacher because Jenny dies, and nobody really gives her extra credit. She's just a teacher. Angelus. Like, how legal is that? Right? Angelus wants to destroy the world by raising a demon. He does so. But his soul is returned just as the demon wakes up, and Buffy, realizing this, still kills him at the same time to close the portal. Buffy's mom finds out she's a slayer and kicks her out of school. Who are some of your favorite guest characters of the show? For me, it was Whistler, the guide who helped Angel after he got his soul the first time, and helped him assimilate into, you know, human life and being a vampire with a soul. He was that conscience. And on the flip side of that was Darla, who sired Angelus, but also relished in the demon that Angelus truly was. And that very, like, darkness in him. She loved it. And I, the reason I like those two characters is because they play off of each other so well in that they're the duality of them and the yin and yang of them and the light and dark and it takes two different people 
to, you know, it takes different people to have different effects on your life, and those are my two favorite characters. Jasmine? Um, I also really like Darla. Um, Julie Benz is amazing. I like, like everything that I've seen her in, like afterwards, like um, Dexter and Love, Victor. Um, there's a few um, that I've liked. I really liked Claire Kramer in season five as glory she did a fantastic job and um in season seven i was really excited not really excited because i didn't know who he was but uh, nathan Fillion <laughs> was in season seven um and he played caleb and he was just so good at being like this evil creature that i think you know like has very conflicted feelings <laughs> while watching him in season seven and he's yeah he's from our hometown he's from Edmonton and yeah just loved watching everything that he's done afterwards being like he's from Edmonton he's one of us <laughs> I shouted that at him once I think did you Actually, no I think I just shouted Nathan Fillion and he's like yes thank you <laughs> as he walked by yeah. he even temporarily had um, a Nathan Fillion civilian pavilion in oh, yeah. City Hall thanks to one of our radio hosts um, I believe that it should be a permanent structure. It was just for the release of um, the Suicide Squad. But, alas, it was just for the weekend. <laughs> we weren't there. We never went to the I know. I know. <laughs> we, were, we were literally in Churchill mean. Square. And we, should, we could have just gone around the corner and saw it, but we forgot. <laughs> I was just cold, and I was like, that's oh, all good. Yeah. Um, So mine, I said uh, Doug Jones, who, he was one of the gentlemen in the Hush episode, which is one of the best episodes of Buffy. Uh, so if you know Doug Jones, you'd probably have seen him in like Hellboy, um, Pan's Labyrinth, Shape of Water, uh, the new Star Trek series. So he's essentially very tall, very tall, very gangly, that's the word. <laughs> Yes, so he does a lot of those kind of creature characters as well. Nathan Fillion, also. We didn't know who he was, but I, <laughs> looking back, I was like, oh, that was Nathan Fillion. That was yeah. great. <laughs> uh, Bianca Lawson, who I love her. She's Kendra. The accent was not good. The Jamaican <laughs> accent, and she knows this. But I love her. <laughs> she knows this. And I forgot to say, Sydney always says the quote, sure, when she listens she'll say it in her head <laughs> uh, and then yes and then Pedro Pascal not a favorite guest star just a random tidbit that he was in an episode uh, Ashanti was a demon that was awful <laughs> I'm still you know what I'm still a little bitter with Ashanti because she cancelled her what, whatever that concert oh right was, that, that soundtrack <laughs> the soundtrack yes. music festival yeah she just didn't come and then she, I don't know. anyway that's it <laughs> this season we saw Buffy not get her way what do you think about that within the season like for me for me it's just it's one of those things and it goes back to the Marvel episode Sherlan when you said in Infinity War where it was the movie where they failed and that was it and Buffy didn't necessarily fail in this season. I think that she just showed that this is a life that really doesn't give her any benefit, you know? And she's young still. She's not 18 yet. She's still 17. And 
It's a life that won't allow her to have love. It's a life that continuously forces her to sacrifice and forces her to give up things. It was refreshing, but it was also sad. It was sad because she could never, it kind of, for me, it laid the groundwork of she could never have a normal life, like what is normal for her, right? And, and you know, it shows later on as the series end, ends that it just becomes her normal. So for me, that was kind of like the, this, the end of the season for season two was kind of the catalyst of like, well, you can't have this normal life. I don't know if I can say it any better than you did, but um, it seems like there's moments in like later in the seasons where she becomes a little jaded by it. Like she's like, I'm the one and only Slayer. Like I'm the only one who can do this. Um, you know, like you guys are, it's, there's even parts where she's like, you guys are like, you know, potentially holding me back from this. It's, I'm supposed to be just by myself. And then with the introduction of like new Slayers, you know, and mm-hmm. potential singers later on, it kind of changes her viewpoint, and she has a hard time letting go. Mm-hmm. I think, yeah, Halima, you said it pretty well, but I think also just she doesn't really have a choice mm-hmm. in the matter. Like, this is her destiny, and she can't have that normal teenager life. Mm-hmm. Kind of similar, similar to Sailor Moon Jasmine, where, again, chosen, typical kind of teenage girl, but she can't have that life, and then she sees that in other mm-hmm. yeah, girls, and... Good. There's an episode in season two of Sailor Moon where, like, they all lose their memories, and then they have to, like, give, be given their memories back in Sailor Moon, and she's like, well, there goes my normal life. It was nice while it lasted. Yeah. yeah. And then they conflicted with, do we let the others be normal, or do we reactivate them as well? Mm-hmm. Which is very interesting that you say that, because I think, um, and it, and also the Supernatural episode where Dean, the djinn, allows Dean to live a normal life. It's very... It's very interesting that these episodes explore that, and I think that that's what I appreciate. Like, what would it look like if I had this life? What would it, what would the semblance be of this? And, you know, in some, in some shows, they do it really well where it's like, I kind of would choose this life that is a little nuts over my normal life that I could be given because it's just, it's what I know and what I'm comfortable with. And this, like, hypothetical dream life of everything going right and, like, Dean, Mary's still alive or Sailor Moon, she has this normal life and she's not chosen. And and Buffy, like, she's not chosen, right? And it's this, I think it's, like, a part of, you miss that. Like, it's a part of you being whole that all this stuff is happening and that's all you know. And I think it's very interesting that shows explore that. Yeah. They explored it kind of in two different ways in Buffy. So there's an episode where um, Cordelia wishes that Buffy never came to Sunnydale. And then that kind of shows, like, what a reality would look like without her. And then there's an episode where she, um, I can't remember, I think she was, like, poisoned or something like that. And, like, in her mind, she's kind of, like, trying to figure out it because in her um, fever and in, in her sickness, there's a reality where she's in a mental hospital and her parents are still alive and they're still together and Dawn doesn't exist. And Good. <laughs> <laughs> so she has to figure out like what seems more real that I'm still in LA and I'm not a slayer and none of my friends have supernatural abilities and my sister didn't like appear out of nowhere or 
I'm, you know, or I'm this, like, chosen one, you know, like, am I this normal person who's just going through a hard time, or am I this, like, supernatural chosen one? And that was a really interesting episode. To me, this season felt way more grown up and complex. What did you appreciate overall about this show? Well, there's some things that have, like, people have realized, like, as they've gotten older or things like that. So, like, like the idea that Buffy, like, her mom, is this a season that her mom finds out? Yeah. Um, that she's the Slayer and, like, her mom's like, well, can you not be the Slayer, you know? Like, why do you have to be the Slayer? And, like, why do you have to be different? Like, why is your life so much different? And there's been some, like, parallels with, like, the LGBT community that I saw, like, a lot of posts about. And people are, like, finding connections with this show. And there's a lot of different aspects of the show as well where people, like, in their adult lives are, like, connecting with something that they didn't connect with as a child watching it. And I thought that was... I think that's a good point, Jasmine, because... When we watched it as preteens, teenagers, some of some of that adult content that we were watching, we might not have understood it. Whereas now, like, I think this is the first time I've rewatched a lot of more of the episodes, and I was connecting more with a lot of those episodes where they dealt with just heavier, heavier stuff that was not not the supernatural stuff, but more of like the day to day kind of stuff, life, <laughs> yeah, yeah the, the adulting kind of thing. And so that's well, what kind I, of like. We'll kind of talk about that in season five, but there's like adult situations as well that they encounter. And there's like a lot of things that I didn't notice mm-hmm. as a teen watching that I'm rewatching. And I'm like, dang, mm-hmm. <laughs> that, that was heavy. <laughs> I agree. I, I appreciate that we're doing this episode now in the lens that we have now, because I think it gives us much more perspective. And the thing I appreciate about the show, even early on, I know that... Yes, we, like Jasmine said, yeah, we will get into it later on because the season, as the series grows, the characters grow and they deal with more adult subject matter. But even early on, like I remember season two, they dealt with child abuse and child neglect and, and it was just one of those things that now with the lens that we have, the show spoke to a lot of people in a very clever way and, you know, they used hypothetical monsters as real monsters that you would see, right? And specifically in season two, there's a, there's an episode where Xander joins the swim team and the swimmers are being dosed to make them better swimmers, aka steroids. And there's the, the episode where they're in the dreamland and all their worst dreams are coming true. And that stems from a kid that's being abused, that was abused by his li- little league coach, and he puts in, he's put into this coma, and from the coma, all of these things happen because of his imagination and because they needed to catch the abuser, and they did it in such a way that, you know, as kids watching, you would never know, but as adults watching, and I think the thing with this show is it was probably created so that you could watch it with your parents and your parents would be like, okay, this is the show that's teaching my kids about this, but your kids had no idea. Your kids are guarded from the actual truth of it when their kid's watching it. Um, so if anybody's gonna start picking up the show, I recommend, well, I recommend, yeah, your kids could watch, like, use your discretion of your children watching the show, especially in later seasons. But, I mean, I, I, 
mean, I guess we watched it. But we watched it, I right? Wasn't supposed to be right. We weren't supposed to be like I never watched it with my parents, and and I think you, you know, parents, of course, as anything, like even within these conversations, use your discretion um, from having your kids watch or listen to anything. But it's important to it's important to at least have these conversations, I think. And, you know, Buffy was a way, if we weren't watching it with our parents, that put the conversations into our heads kind of thing. So that's what I appreciated about the show. Season three, Buffy comes back from LA, goes back to Sunnydale. It's totally fine. We are introduced to Faith and Wesley, who is Faith's watcher. And there's a weird relationship between Wesley and Cordelia that I don't even feel great about, but I was re-watching the prom, and then Giles, this is an excuse, Giles, because it's still gross, Giles is like, she's 18, and you have the emotional stability of a blueberry scone, if you want to ask her to dance, ask her to dance, but it's still a weird relationship, and it's just super creep. Um, yes, I realize she's 18, but I, TV shows need to stop with yes. a TV student relationship. Like, I took a whole university course on why that's not okay. <laughs> like, Ezra and Arya from Pretty Little Liars, like, the list is, like, forever long, and it just needs to stop. It's yes. Icky. It's icky, and it's it doesn't matter how old you are, it is and icky. They're hot. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't matter if your watcher I is know. hot. <laughs> it's still oh. gross. Cordelia has poor choice. <laughs> Cordelia becomes more of a main character in Buffy. Anya, once a demon, is briefly introduced and, you know, much more integrated into um, season three and going forward. And then she becomes a sporting character to a main character. Angel and Buffy kind of get back together, kind of don't. It's an on and off relationship forever. Buffy graduates and becomes the class hero. The mayor is a demon instead of the principal being a demon or evil, but the principal is evil. His name is Snyder, so really, you can't really excuse that. And once to end the world, the students in the Scooby gang fight back. They literally burn the school down. This is just a statement that Faith needed her own TV show. What are some of your favorite moments of the first three seasons? For me, I loved the introduction of Spike and even Drusilla, and more of Dar. Like, I love that introduction of the the vampires that had something to do with Angel's life. Like, it gave him more backstory, and I, I enjoyed that, especially Spike. I am... I don't agree with Spike all the time, but I... Later on, you realize his character arc, and it's one of those things that you're just like, I don't agree with it, but I'm I'm gonna support you. Can, I liked that they brought on more Slayers and the stories got much more, like, complex as the time went on. Minus that expansion of the lore of Buffy, where we get more info about, like, the Watcher's Council, more info on just the different, well, I guess not different Slayers, but, like, once a Slayer dies, another one rises, so that was Kendra. Kendra died. And then, so we have Faith now coming in, who's, like, that, that contrast to Buffy, who's, like... The good slayer quotation marks. Yes, <laughs> I can't. So yes. So um, having faith play off of Buffy and have that kind of like, what if, what if a slayer was bad? Like she could do anything really. Mm-hmm. So I thought that was really fun. 
what if she had loose morals and I think we've pretty much talked about my favorite moments from the first few seasons, like the introduction of Faith, as you said. Um, the introduction of Anya and the whole vengeance demon. Um, and like the wish that she granted with like what if Buffy never came to Sunnydale? And you know, like it may seem like a good idea, but it turned out that, you know, like vampires like ran the town and there was a curfew and it was like very taboo to like talk about them or go out at night. Like it was it was like a wasteland. <laughs> so that was a pretty interesting concept. And the the, the werewolf uh, aspect of Oz. Um the mayor was a weird guy. <laughs> I, I, he's a weird guy. He's just a weird. He's a weird guy. I liked him. Yeah. He he actually what was it in the season finale? Wait, yeah, season three. He was doing like his whole speech, and they're like, "Oh my gosh, is he gonna do the full <laughs> speech during the ascension?" So like, he's not. He's like, a, he's not a bad guy. I don't know. He's just a quirky dude. <laughs> and he's great about me. But yeah, yeah, he had that kind of weird, like, he was kind of like a weird father figure to Faith, and that was kind of an interesting uh, dynamic there. Season four. During this time, there's an Angel spinoff. I think the only good things about that spinoff were the theme song. The last couple seasons where Fred becomes What's-Her-Face, um, Jasmine would know, and... Ilaria. Ilaria, thank you. And Spike. I thought you liked Angel. <laughs> I liked the theme song, but I was like re-watching some of it, and I was just like, this is kind of bad. <laughs> I, don't, I don't think that I watched like the first few seasons of Angel. I think I picked up like in season three, four, five. Oh. I watched yeah. the first season and the last season, because Spike was in it. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know what happened in between. Don't worry and, about uh, it. Introduction of Ilaria was amazing. Yeah. Like, as... as as sad as, like, a main character death is, but, like, her becoming, like, this, like, goddess in, in the body and just, like, it was just incredible. <laughs> the Scooby gang is in college and Giles becomes less and less part of their life, except to host Thanksgiving dinner. He, they just use his house. Spike is back in Sunnydale. He gets a chip implanted in his head by the initiative, a military special ops that hunts demons and is are the villains of season four. Professor Walsh makes Adam, who is the big bad, his objective is to replace humans and demons. Willow starts practicing witchcraft and meets Tara. Is the love of her life also becomes her undoing in season six, but for good reason. What are some moments you could do without? For me, it was all of season four, with the exception of Hush, and uh, when Faith and Buffy switch bodies in the episode, Who Are You? Other moments I could do without in the show. That whole Xander and Willow love storyline in season three, that was just unnecessary. I didn't, I didn't like Agreed. it. I didn't like yeah. it. Yeah, like the platonic friendship of kids who grew up since kindergarten, like that would have been perfectly fine. And, you know. At one time I felt bad for Cordelia. Yeah. I like, genuinely felt awful for her. And, you know, that friendship is the thing that saves the world in season six, and we'll get into that. Another thing I could have done without in the whole series was that Riley 
having vampires feed on him because he was jealous of oh Buffy God, and oh Angel God. and Dracula and like what her appeal <laughs> was. <laughs> and I was like, and I'm like thinking about it and I'm like, her appeal wasn't anything. She did the first thing to save Angel's life. And the second time with Dracula, it just happened. It wasn't like, oh, Dracula, please suck my blood. No, it was just, it just happened, bro. And his, like, insecurity about that, that he had to go out and do that to himself. And then he gets caught. And it was just, like, I could have, it was interesting, but I also could have done without that storyline. I forgot about that. Yeah. It's a terrible season, other than Hush and... Yeah, in my rewatch, I kind of skipped it. <laughs> <laughs> well, that, that, that Riley having vampires feed off of him, that was in season five. And that's before Riley pieces out. Because he's... Five. Yeah, because Dracula, he is there in the beginning of season five. When Buffy... Buffy? When Buffy meets Dracula and Dawn is back... And then Don and, and Riley do build sort of sort of a relationship, but because I don't know if he willingly leaves or like the initiative or whatever, but because because Buffy finds out that one, Spike is obsessed with her, that happens in season four. Um, starts in season four, and then two, that Buffy is like he is under the impression that Buffy likes that danger, right? That, I mean, he's not wrong. She does. But, like, likes that because Angel fed off of her and then Dracula fed off of her and then this obsession with Spike. And he has this whole thing built up in his head about that. And I was just like, bro, go home. <laughs> I was just like, oh, let it in. I thought he left in season four, because that's why I was like, I don't even remember. No, he was there in the beginning of season five. Um, I was just like, bro, go home. <laughs> to me, all season, because I was just like, just go I'll home. Yeah, just go home. What about for you guys? Moments could well, you have literally done literally what that? you said. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. <laughs> okay. We're on consensus, then. This season also gave us some of our funnier moments. Uh, the Thanksgiving episode was was funny because, you know, Spike was there and he has arrows coming at him and Xander gets infected by the Shumash tribe and those are very real things that Thanksgiving episodes did make very good points. I was just, Spike was there to offer comedic relief, so was Xander. What did you appreciate about the humor of the show? Um, I always appreciated the humor and we we mentioned it kind of the first time that he who must not be named is does a really good job of that um and he kind of carried that on into the avengers and onwards with his different projects justice league doesn't count his humor that sucked sorry (laughs) yes (laughs) he who must not be named with the we must not name this project Randy Giles. Like, Randy Giles. 
phenomenal where they all lose their memory and they're all just trying to piece it together with what they have on them or like in their bags or like there's like an airline ticket and there was like a wedding ring and a necklace and just kind of piecing it together that way it's like I have an accent you have an accent we must be related you must be my father hypothetical last season. Dawn is a fake sister, the key, created to unlock different dimensions. She arrives in season five. Buffy meets a spirit guide that helps her understand her power as a slayer. Glory slash Ben is the big bad god villain who wants to use the key to go back to her home and become the hell goddess that she is. Spike falls in love with Buffy and makes it known but again, back to season four, it's a very stalkerish way. Joyce dies of a brain tumor. Dawn is kidnapped and Glory opens the gate, but to close it, Dawn must die. But because they are sisters made out of the same blood, Buffy can close the gate, as so she does, sacrifices herself, and she dies. End of season five. The season dealt with mental illness. When Glory feeds off the of the residents of Sunnydale, they become very mentally ill. Joyce's death, dying in a very real way with a brain tumor. It's not supernatural. Nothing they can save or do or a spell will fix. What did you appreciate about the very real moments of the series? For me, as again, like we said earlier, as you get older, you see it more and you can relate to it more. They did it in such a way that felt natural as the progression of her life and growing and you know the hardest thing is like by the time season five comes along Buffy is what only 21 22 and she loses her mom at a young age Dawn loses her mom quote-unquote at a young age and those are very hard things to deal with the sh- the show didn't shy away from that as they got older. I know I know some shows like you know you get stuck in the same trope, but the characters developed and they progressed and they and I think they did a very good job of, of that and that's what I appreciated about the heaviness of the show, especially with um, Joyce's death, their their mom, like everything up until this point, like the Buffy's experience like with death has been in like the supernatural realm like angel and all these vampires that she slayed or demons and whatnot um and 
this was just so real and so natural that she couldn't do anything about it. And the way that they filmed the episode in complete silence just, like, added to the heaviness of this. And, like, I've seen countless, um, like, BuzzFeed articles, let's say, talking about, like, really heavy, devastating moments in TV, and I've seen that one on every single list. I think it's one of the best episodes of season five, and it had no music throughout, which kind of made everything more real. Mm-hmm. And just some of the stuff that she had to deal with, with just calling 911 and her not knowing what to do and then kind of freaking out and then just having her have like a, a fantasy world a little bit of like what should have happened where she was saved and everything's fine but then snapping back you realize that no living choice is dead when she's doing cpr and she breaks and she breaks her bone her bone and then I her like, oh my god because yeah. like that can happen right like in real life yeah. when you perform cpr that can happen and you know, even her and her reaction, a bodily reaction, she goes out of the room and she throws up. That's a very anxious-filled reaction that she has. And to her, that's almost strange, like Jasmine was saying, because so far it's been supernatural. To her, this is something she's never dealt with and she doesn't know how to deal she, with this. She's often in control of situations, regardless if they're good or bad. Like, she's usually in charge of them. This one, she is in charge, but, like, in something that, like, she has absolutely, like, no experience with. In your opinion, should the series have ended here? I said no, only because I had, I would have had more questions because they're still in the Hellmouth. Like, the Hellmouth didn't go away just because Buffy died and Glory was gone. Like, they're still on that, so who's going to fight that? Mm -hmm. I guess the Scoopy gang. Uh, Anya and Xander got engaged. Happy ending, maybe, maybe not just based on Xander's track record, I didn't think so, and I was right. <laughs> and then just, like, Giles kills a human, technically, Ben. Like, yeah. there was a lot of things that I was like, there's a little more repercussions from this. And Dawn also, I guess. Mm-hmm. She has no sister. Like, what's she going to do? Not mm-hmm. that I care, but, you know. <laughs> I think it was a really good episode, and if they ended it that way, like, it, like, I would have, wanted more because Mm -hmm. as you said there was a lot of unanswered questions but I think I would have been okay because it wasn't like super cliffhangery Mm -hmm. but yeah there's a lot of things like a lot of what ifs Mm -hmm. if you will Mm -hmm. and yeah it wasn't like a a beautiful episode like it was great but I would not have been like super satisfied Mm -hmm. season six Giles pieces out and goes to England Willow and the Scooby gang and their selfish asses bring Buffy back from the dead, thinking she went to hell. They're fucking selfish. She was actually in heaven. We get a little musical number. Buffy gets a real job at the Double Meat Palace. Buffy and Spike begin a very toxic relationship. Regular people, plain-ass people, that Buffy has saved time and time again, try to kill her and take over the town. Willow becomes addicted to dark magic, abuses it. She slowly gets better, but then Tara is killed. This causes Willow to become a monster, quote-unquote, and, uh, 
you know, she's the big to end the season. She wants to bring about the apocalypse. Xander reminds her that she is human. She needs to be able to feel the emotions because that's what makes her her. And that's what makes her Willow. Because she's always been kind, as Xander reminds her as he saves the world. And then Spike goes on a journey to prove himself to Buffy and he gets his soul back. This season was the heaviest, dealing with loss, abuse, mentally, physically, and emotionally. There are even symptoms of grief and denial, anger, bargaining, depression, and acceptance. Definitely dealing with addiction, with Willow becoming addicted to magic. How did you feel about the turn of this season? For me, again, it was it was very honest. It was scary because it, it dealt with such heavy subject matter. I mean, the Buffy and Spike relationship and the episode and, you know, listener discretion is advised if you got to this point. Um, the episode where Spike attempted to rape Buffy and because up to this point, she, her, her relationship to him was because when she came back from, when she came back from heaven, when her friends pulled her out, she couldn't feel, she didn't know what it meant to be human because she was such in a place of peace that she didn't know how to feel, what to feel. She even says it in once more of a feeling in the musical episode in her number. She can't feel anything because her being there right now just feels wrong to her and Spike in her actions Spike almost is the only thing that's right because he understands her and then t for him to attempt to rape her and something she never expected him to do and it was big I remember crying when I first saw that episode because up to this point now I'm watching the episodes you know as they're on TV and I remember crying because it was just one of those things I didn't understand either, because you get so invested in these characters. And looking back on it now, I'm glad that they, they did tackle subject matters as they did in season six, because it was one of those seasons that needed to, I think. It needed to be real. It needed more than just vampires and demons and all of these things. And I think that that's why partially they made Willow the demon, is because she is a really... She is a real person going through grief, and this is her way of going through that grief. And it can end in a very destructive way if you don't have people behind you that support you and love you no matter what you are going through. I would reiterate that. I also didn't watch that, or I think we talked about this, but it, I don't think it aired on YTV, that no. attempted rape episode, because I didn't watch it, and I had no idea what had happened prior to... Spike wanting to get his soul, other than, like, the clip of, like, kind of what happened, but it was still, like, what? Um, but yeah, I, I appreciated what they did with Willow in the sense that, like, she was corrupted by magic and how it was a metaphor for addiction. I thought that was very interesting. And this is the season that I started to like Tara. Yeah, Tara. And that she's like, Willow, like, I see what you're doing, like, ease up and then Willow's like okay and lies and then continues to abuse magic and starts lying to the one that she loves. It's a perfect way to show someone's downfall. And again, looking at you Game of Thrones with your messed up way of Daenerys. This is how you do it. You yeah. set it up from the beginning and then kind of go through that progression. 
Mm-hmm. And how her use of magic, um, her addiction to magic, um, she is very, like, sneaky about it. Like, she can put on the face, like, you know, like, yep, I've stopped. But then, like, it, she may have still been doing it behind the back, but it starts affecting the people around her. Because, like, that's how everybody loses their memory, because she tries to take Tara's memory of their fight away. And then Dawn comes in and it's like, I'm really glad that you two made up, that you're not fighting anymore. And Tara's like, we weren't fighting. And then she kind of realizes what happens. And yeah, so like her addiction is not just affecting herself, but it's affecting her loved ones. And her loved ones want what's best for her. Um, but, you know, she can only want to get better if she wants to get better. What shocked you about this season? For me, I think just the total turn that three regular-ass people became the undoing of Buffy. I mean, they shoot Warren, specifically, is the manipulator, right? And after Buffy has, like, saved his life from his robot girlfriend, Jane, who tried he tried to control, controls Jonathan, controls Andrew, the master manipulator, and I think... That shocked me that three regular people could do that, but also in a way that this is real life. There is, There are people out there that are master manipulators and can, you know, use their way to pe- influence people in such a manner that they blur the line between right and wrong. And especially Jonathan, because Buffy in season, I think it's season two or season three, Buffy saves Jonathan because Jonathan was going to go kill himself in the clock tower of the school. And Buffy comes in. She can hear people's thoughts. I think it's season three. And and here's that Jonathan. She thinks he's going to attack the school. But he's just going. He's going to kill himself. And she goes and she saves him. And then later in season three. When Jonathan awards her the class protector um, umbrella. Because of everything that was going on. And they recognize her for that. Especially Jonathan. Especially from going from season five with having, like, glory, like, this god, like, this, like, super big, like, entity being, like, big bad to, like, three dweebs in their basement. Like, <laughs> like one of them likes to play with, like, spells, and the other one likes to, like, summon demons, and they're just, like, they think they're so, like, tough and so bad, they're like, we're bad guys. Mm. And then... <laughs> Um, and then they cause such devastation, and, Mm -hmm. you know, like, Jonathan had, I feel like he had that guilt the whole time, being like, it's Buffy, like, I think there was a moment where it's like, we're gonna kill the Slayer, and he's like, what, I thought we were just having fun, like, we're actually gonna kill somebody, like, Mm -hmm. and then, and then Andrew will just do whatever Aaron Warren says, because, like, he's in love with him, but, Mm -hmm. (laughs) but, yeah, to go from glory to these guys was a big shift, and it was interesting to see, like, the impact that they made. Yeah. I thought that they were terrible. <laughs> I'm glad that Willow ended up being, like, the big bad in the end, but I guess the shocking thing would have been if they actually killed her. Mm-hmm. Because we already had, like, a main character die in the previous season, so I, I guess the more shocking thing would have been if they went that route. Season 7, the series entirety finale. We made it. They rebuilt Sunnydale High School. Nothing good can come of this. 
Buffy starts working at Sunnydale High School as the counselor. There is a new principal. He is not evil. He's the son of a slayer. Specifically, a slayer killed by Spike. And the principal is played by D.B. Woodside, who is on Lucifer, who Cheryl Ann has told me to watch, but I am only in season one. I'm so sorry. The I'm first marathon that. <laughs> the first evil... Yeah. <laughs> the first evil is the big bad, appearing as any dead person, and I think that this was a great way to bring back people as cameos. Uh, we now have potential slayers. Faith is back, for very briefly. Spike has a soul, but he's haunted by his past, similar to Angel, as he was when he got his soul back. We have an army of savage vampires who look like the master from season one. There is a war in the middle of the school to stop the first evil, and these vampires, Willow uses light magic, moves on from Terra to Kennedy, and activates the Slayer power in all the potential Slayers around the world. Spike saves the day with an amulet. This amulet was a powerful mystical artifact with purifying powers. It was in the possession of Wolfman Hart, uh, that proved instrumental during the Battle of the Hellmouth. Wolfman Hart is from Angel. Angel and the crew start working at Wolfman Hart in season five. That's their last season. And I think they're kind of traitors because for so long in Angel, if you watched it, Wolfman Hart, they were against him, then they started working for them. So it's a whole big thing. Anya is tragically killed, and now Buffy is not the only slayer. Sunnydale goes down into a crater to disappear forever. Well, for now, anyways. What did you love about the series finale? I loved that they they tied up the loose ends that you thought were just left out there. Like, they did it in a nice way. I didn't have, like, Jasmine, you go back to season five and you said you would have had questions. I didn't have any questions. I was like, this is a good ending. Leave it here. I'm done. I am now 14 years old. This is fine. This is... I'll miss Spike because he saved the world and it was kind of foreshadowed that he would in season two when he was like, I want to save the world and he was saving it from Angelus. At that point, it was purely out of jealousy that he wanted to save the world because of Angelus, but from now to season seven and it speaks to his growth that he wants to genuinely save the world because he wants to be there for Buffy in that sort of way because that's the only way he knows that he can. And for me, that's kind of tragic because in season, in the season seven finale, as they're leaving, uh, she's like, I love you. And he's like, no, you don't. And that, like, that broke my heart, but also was like, you don't love me, but thanks for, and he said that, but thanks for saying it, because he knows that she could never really truly love him, and and he's okay with that. And I think that that's the growth, especially that he had from season four to season seven with that growth, and knowing that this was his purpose, that's kind of what I loved about the series finale. Oh, I went on a whole rant. I didn't even talk about the season series finale. I went on a whole rant leading up to the series finale, but I just want to say that all those people should have died because they kicked Buffy out of her damn house, her home, that she let these people into. She, you know what? I wish I wish Buffy just went dark there and was like, fuck all y'all. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, the series finale was good. Pretty much what you said, Halima, I 
feel like I didn't really have questions for the series finale, whereas season five, if it left off there, I would have been like, but what about this? What about this? Like, Mm -hmm. it was a nice cliffhanger having not only Buffy be the Slayer, but potential Slayers are now Slayers, so she's not alone. Mm -hmm. And it takes that burden off of her, because like we said earlier in the episode, you know, by season two, she feels that burden, and she is the chosen one, and you're right, like, now she's not. Now she can go live frivolously with a vampire of her choosing, which she apparently does in Angel. Um, but you're right, it's just this, you're not, you can breathe now. And I think that she smiles at the end of the episode knowing that she can breathe now. Yeah, but apparently there is a hellmouth in Seattle. Oh, right, I forgot about that. <laughs> Wait, I thought it was Cleveland. <laughs> oh, is it? It was one of those. <laughs> <laughs> They're like, there goes the Hellmouth, and it's like, and then Giles says, "There's another one in wherever." It's <laughs> like, what? Okay, like, what's been happening there this entire time? <laughs> but all right, um, yeah, I, yeah, I really like the last episode and how it, um, it pretty much closed any storylines. Um, we did mention that Anya deserved better, and I think they only killed her because it was the final episode. So mm. that was upsetting. I mm-hmm. think that's my one of my only qualms. I find it interesting, like even as I rewatched it as an adult, how like Spike's redemption of like getting his soul and um everybody like not moving on but moving on from what happened with Spike, um and like not really forgiving him but being able to move past that. Mm-hmm. I did have one question about one of the potential slayers. Um, so Amanda, Amanda lives in Sunnydale, and they found out that there was a potential slayer in Sunnydale, and they did this whole spell, and there was like, oh, maybe it's Dawn, because, like, the glowing orb went through her, but Amanda apparently was on the other side of the door. But, like, what did Amanda tell her parents? (laughs) Hey, Mom, Dad, I'm chosen. I'm gonna go live at Dawn's house, and then with a bunch of other teenage girls. <laughs> Don't worry about me. And then all of a sudden, everybody is packing up and leaving Sunnydale. And she's like, all right, I'm going to stay here. Does I she have parents? Maybe she was an orphan. Maybe she was an orphan. I just was watching that <laughs> through my adult lens. Being like, what? <laughs> Out of all the things, that's the one you <laughs> Angel was the spinoff of the show. Like I said earlier, I think Faith needed her own show. If there was another spinoff, what would you have liked if you would have liked a spinoff? No spinoffs. I would have liked um, having a cartoon, well, yeah, like an adult cartoon of the graphic novels that Mm -hmm. came afterwards that were essentially season 8 to 12. Yeah. Um, I would have been fine with that. We mentioned Giles. What yeah. happened with Giles? Or how did he become a watcher? How does one become a watcher? Oh, right. In like this back, like if you had a backstory, I would have liked to see his backstory too. Yeah, like, like his Ripper days. Yeah. Like how would that have gone for you? Like, especially after, you know, in season three, where they're eating the candy bars and then they all become 
teenagers again, you get a little snippet of what what Rupert, really, the Ripper, would have been like if he was, like, when he was younger, and just to see his progression of that and be, how did you, like, find this Watcher's Council as his badass in England and, you know, with an earring of all and like playing guitar and like smoking and how did you become how do you become a watcher i think that that would have you're right like that would have been interesting apparently because you know when don reads all the books in season seven that's how you become watchers just oh, yeah. reading yeah, a bunch of books watcher, she called herself watcher junior <laughs> episodes for me it was season two i only have eyes for you um in this episode the school is haunted and there's two characters that are haunted haunting it there's this it's the sadie hawkins dance in 1955 it's a the teacher and the student have this relationship the male student ends up killing the teacher in 1955 and their spirits are doomed to haunt the school until the male student's ghost can find forgiveness. Up until this point, the male student was haunting male students. The female ghost was haunting females. And what was interesting and why this episode sticks out to me is because it is after Buffy and Angel have sex and Angel becomes jealous. And Buffy blames herself for that. So in this episode, instead of the female ghost possessing Buffy, the male ghost possesses Buffy, and the female ghost possesses Angel when they go back, and Jealous when they go back into the school. And it's because Buffy blames herself for Angel turning into Angelus. And the whole time she puts up this front of like, no, it doesn't matter. I have to kill him. It, he's evil now. And there's no excuse for the things that he's done. There's no excuse. But really, she's blaming herself. Because she feels there's no excuse for her for what she's done. She made the choice. She slept with him. She didn't care about the consequences. I don't even think she knew about the consequences at that time. Or she may have. I don't quite remember. But, and she blames herself. She didn't think you. And she blames herself for that. She blames herself. Like, I unleashed this monster onto the world and I can't forgive myself for that. And I don't, she feels that she does not deserve forgiveness for that. And I liked this episode because it gave her subliminally that forgiveness that she needed. Angel, Angelus possessed by the spirit of the female teacher, gave her that forgiveness because he was able, like, after after she shoots him, um, that's how it ends usually and it plays out, goes on to haunt the next one, but this time because Angel is a vampire, comes back to life and gives her for that forgiveness, releases the spirits from the school, but also gives Buffy that sort of freedom and the permission to forgive herself for what she did, and I think that that's why it's one of my favorite episodes. Um, season two also gave us the Halloween episode, which is really fun. Um, 
their Halloween costumes that they get from Ethan Rain, who is a uh, nemesis of Giles, which was very interesting to see, has this costume st- shop and these uh, the costumes. When you wear, when you buy a costume from his shop, you become that, uh, character. So I thought that was interesting because Buffy becomes, like, this Victorian, uh, woman from that time and, you know, she's helpless and it's, it's, and it was fun to see her just not be a slayer and not have that power. And she does that, you know, prior to Angel becoming Angelus in the season, um, because she thinks that that's what Angel is attracted to and needs. And, you know, it goes back to, like, She's just a regular teenager up to this point because she's, like, doing what she can to impress the boy that she likes. So I thought that was a fun episode as well. Season three, The Prom, because Buffy gets some sort of real life at this point. After realizing she can't, she comes back to school and she gets a real life in terms of, like, for ten minutes I can go to prom because before that ten minutes I had to hunt down demon dogs and kill them before they killed everybody else. So up until that point, because of season three, she didn't she knew she couldn't have a real life. She knew that she was chosen, and we talked about this earlier. And for ten minutes she had a real life. Like Angel shows up, they have a dance. Um and then season uh season four uh, who are you? It's the episode where Faith and Buffy switch bodies, and it's it was fun to see. Like you said this earlier, like what would it be to be like a free spirited Lucy Goosey Slayer? And Buffy gets that option. She gets that opportunity to be like, what does it mean to be the fun Slayer? And you know, Faith gets the opportunity to be like oh, this is what it means to carry a burden. Because even though there's two Slayers, Buffy still feels that burden, and I thought that that episode was very fun. And then season seven, The Lies My Parents Told Me. Uh, in this episode, Robin uh, Robin confronts uh, Spike about killing his mother, and he's been sitting with that since the 70s, and this vengeance that he has in his life is very it's still there. And that's why, you know, part of him befriends Buffy because he knows about Spike and, and, you know, he wants to kill Spike about this. And then Spike himself dealing with him, his undoing, which was, which was his mother. I mean, at first when he was William, before he was William the Bloody, you know, he doted on his mother, but his mother was like, you need to, you know, you need to marry, you need to get the hell out of my house, you need to move on. And, you know, he does that, he becomes a vampire, he tries to save his mom because his mom has an illness, uh, consumption, I assume at that time it was consumption, and uh, changes her into a vampire, but he has to kill her because she's gonna kill him because being this vampire, she's like this uninhibited person, right? And she's just like, I'm gonna say whatever the hell I want to say. You've always been there annoying me my whole life. Now I can be my own person. And Spike's like, what do you mean? What are you doing? I did this for you. And he kills her. And I think that that goes back to Spike's character of like, I try, he keeps trying to do the right thing, but he also feels like he keeps fucking up. And I thought like his whole life has been like that. And I thought that that was interesting to see, especially in that episode as well. You get the flip side of, you know, Robin can't let go of the fact that Spike killed his mom when Spike's like, yeah, that's her fucking job. Her fucking job was to be a slayer 
and fight vampires and demons. And as far as I was, I'm concerned, she was doing her job and I was doing my job. And you need to understand that, kid. You need to get in line or else get the hell out. So, so my top five are Once More with Feeling. So that's the musical episode from season six. That was fantastic. Um, Hush, Halloween, I Only Have Eyes for You, and uh, Toss Up Between Chosen and The Gift. Um, I have a couple repeats from you guys, like Hush and Halloween, just the fact that it was such like a quiet episode, and it was so spooky, and it was interesting how they communicated with each other when they weren't able to speak at all, and that become, becoming their costumes was just gold. Um, <laughs> I loved Once More with Feeling, um, just for the musical aspect itself, but, you know, as I got older and, like, listening to the lyrics and watching the episode through the adult lens, like, you, like, I knew that they were being, like, singing their truths, but, like, the, the fact that, like, Xander and Anya, their truths are they're having a little bit of hesitation to get married. And Buffy's talking about how she's going through the motions and how she was in heaven and how she doesn't feel anything right now. And how Tara, she was so shy and quiet. And how um, meeting Willow has brought her out of her shell. And that song is a little saucier than I recall. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's very inappropriate. <laughs> she makes her comfy, let's just say that. Um <laughs> And, yeah, just how um, that episode just, like, had so much more depth than I thought it was. Like, as a teen, I was just, like, singing songs, being like, I love music. Um, (laughs) But, you know, through an adult lens, it is um, so much better than I thought it was. Um, I also put down the Body Swat episode. And the alternate reality one was, um, had some really good depth to it. And then the episode where they all forget. And are trying to piece together their lives and just the comedic aspect of it and just like how they pieced it together and just the hilarity that ensues and they open the door and all of a sudden there's demons and they didn't realize that demons existed because they forgot and if you were a fan fiction series what would the title be nothing yeah, I do not want any fan fiction for Bunny. Kalima, you are the fan fiction person. I said I've neither, neither written or nor read fan fiction except for yours. <laughs> no, and I have girl. read fan fiction. I'm not opposed to fan fiction. I just don't want to write anything. <laughs> I'm not opposed. I just have never gotten around to reading any. Yeah, my movie would be The Watcher Diaries. What the fuck is this? Audible read by uh, Anthony Storthead. He has to read it himself. And I think that that would be so much fun. What are your top five songs? For me, it is I Love Myself Today by Biff Naked, who they appeared in season four. Uh, Rest in Peace, James Marsters from Once More with Feeling. The Prayer of St. Francis by Sarah McLaughlin at the end of season six, when Buffy and Dawn are coming out of the crypt. Um, I Only Have Eyes for You, The Flamingos. Praise You by Fatboy Slim. So my list is Nerf Herder, that's the Buffy theme, uh, Walk Through Fire from the Once More With Feeling episode that is still my favorite <laughs> song. Fantastic. Um, I Only Have Eyes For You by the Flamingos, uh, the, Bre- the Breeders, little 
Little Fury. Little Fury? Sure. <laughs> and Amy Mann, uh, Pavlov's spell. Um, I'm going to say something very controversial. Um, I didn't like, I, <laughs> I only have eyes for you, that song, very much. I think it was just because it was so overplayed in that episode. <laughs> <laughs> but because you have to re-listen to it as like an I, adult now and like in love. I, and I have not rewatched it as an adult, so No I, no no, don't rewatch the I episode. Just no, listen, listen to the song. song. James Marsters is an excellent singer, and he has a band, Ghost of the Robot, and I recommend checking them out. Why should people who haven't seen the series watch the series? Well, if they've been listening up to this point, everything that we have just said. (laughs) I think it's just, it's a pop culture highlight, because Mm -hmm. a lot of shows or movies or whatever reference Buffy afterwards and even like the musical episode a lot of shows have tried to recreate that sometimes not doing well but sometimes like they do well like Supernatural did mm-hmm. that well and it's just I don't know it's just that nostalgic feeling looking back in a show like for us who are now adults and looking back on the episodes where it's like oh I didn't catch that oh I didn't know that oh this is funny mm-hmm. like those things I like it was very groundbreaking, and um, it touched on a lot of issues. And rewatching it as an adult, a lot of the stuff still like it, it's aged fairly well. I would agree. I would say that it's aged fairly well. It's like sometimes you watch things and you're like, <laughs> "I'm uncomfy," but um, for the most part, I think that it it holds up. To time like there's some things that you're watching like willow on like the computer in the first season you're like this thing is a dinosaur it's <laughs> 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 like i use the internet to break into like the city's mainframe to like look at the the sewage line Giles has no idea about Said there's a lot of things that they touched upon that were pretty um, like 
unique to the time. Mm-hmm. Why I think people should watch the series is, like you both said, it's you can relate to it. It sets a blueprint for shows, and it's very much part of pop culture and a phenomenon that, you know, you can just never get enough of. And, you know, as Jasmine, like, why she started watching it is just a very powerful female character that just kicked ass and was so cool. And, you know, I personally, like, I loved the vampire thing. I just, I think it was so cool just in that mysticism and, like, you know, if we take out the real stuff for a little bit, it's just, like, it's just fun. It's just so much fun. And, like, the characters are hilarious and good. Na- some of them are good-natured. And if you're not a demon or whatever, try to kill people. If you're not a weird robot Frankenstein thing made from a lab, it's just... If you forget certain seasons, it's totally fun. And I think you should just... Just watch it just to do yourself a favor. So if you go to a trivia night, you can answer these questions. <laughs> <laughs> what you just said about, like, the demons, it reminded me of um, the episode where Anya was asking Tara's dad. It's like, well, what kind of demon is she? And then he's like, what do you mean? She's just a disgusting demon. She's like, I don't think demons are very contributing members of society. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, yes, that's the episode that I have no recollection of. an episode tonight. <laughs> yeah, some demons are contributing members of society. <laughs> what was the demon's name? He kind of looked like a dog, like a floppy-eared dog, oh, and he was uh, leaving. Clem? Clem! Oh, yeah! Yeah! Oh, he was Spike's he was friend! Also. He was so a sweet! <laughs> yes, he was a good uh. demon. <laughs> Gambling with kittens. The way they did, like, character development throughout the show, I thought it was really nice. And, you know, if anybody is looking just for a series that is full of nostalgia, full of 90s, and, like, badasses and, like, bad boys and all that sort of stuff, I recommend just putting on Buffy. Even if it's in the background, just put it on and watch it and... Just have fun with it. Do a 10-hour marathon if you really want to wake up at 6 a.m. in the morning and just do yourself a on favor. Victoria. On Victoria oh, Day, Victoria. specifically. <laughs> oh, my gosh. If you want to watch a better vampire show <laughs> than Vampire Diaries that actually has more character development for every character, watch this. Yes. Yeah. I want to thank you, ladies, for closing out the year with me for 2021. For my listeners, for you ladies, I wish you nothing but the best in 2022. Be safe, share peace, be kind to yourselves first and foremost, be kind to those around you, take your time with everything, nothing is in a rush, and mental health-wise, if you are going through whatever you are going through, there are people out there that support you, that love you, that are there for you, that will have your backs. They're your friends, they're your colleagues, they're online therapists, there are anybody that creates a safe space for you, feel free to use it. Take care of yourselves and 2022 may be filled with everything you hope for and want and everything good. I will see you guys in 2022 with brand new episodes of What's Your Hustle. Thank you ladies so much. Happy New Year. Yes, Happy New Year. Thank you. (laughs) Thank you listeners. Thank you for listening to What's Your Hustle. 
created, produced, and hosted by yours truly, Halima Hussain. We'll be back in 2022 with brand new episodes. Until then, be sure to follow us on Instagram at What's Your Hustle Podcast. Subscribe, listen, rate, review on Apple Podcasts. Follow on Spotify, as well as anywhere else you stream podcasts. And until next time, whatever your hustle is, you got this.